HVAC 360 is brought to you today by Lazy's VR Maintenance Software. Are you into maintenance but don't like climbing ladders, getting dirty, or hauling tools? Not to mention the hassle of replacing those darn filters. Well, we have the software solution for you. After we load up your building assets into our computer, the only thing you'll have to lift is your VR headset. In no time, you'll have completed your task virtually without even leaving the comfort of your own desk. Get your free consultation. Call Lazy today. Please note that our VR maintenance software does not affect any physical equipment. Actual maintenance, however, can be performed by our VR-linked maintenance robot, sold separately. Welcome back, Matt Nelson here, your host for HVAC 360, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. Each week I'm sharing information and lessons learned in the field and talking with industry experts, um, but don't I don't stop there. I want to encourage you to double down in your weekly dose, as always, uh, by going over to HVAC360.com and join my growing community of people just like you. So what's up for this week? This week, I'm going to take another stab at doing a little article summary for you. Again, this is coming from the spring uh, 2019 version of the High Performance Buildings magazine. And uh, it's a little snippet. Um, this is this is something, and I'll, I'll get a, give High Performance Buildings a, a plug here. Uh, they do have an app, and uh, it is a really, a really good app. Um, I don't read many things. Uh, but they do make it easy for you, uh, and they do make it accessible. So it's free. Download it. Take a look at it, uh, and it's something that's really, really uh, well done. So hats off to High Performance Building Magazine. All right, this one is talking about the Helen Summer Building. Um, this is one of the new buildings uh, over at the State of Washington campus in Olympia, Washington. Uh, this was a, a case study that they did. And the one thing that, that uh, kind of piqued my interest about this one is this was about uh, guaranteed performance um, and uh, uh, taking a look at M&V. So usually when you see this, you see it in kind of an ESCO, at least when I usually see it, I should say. When I usually see this, I see this in an ESCO format. That's a energy services company. Um, and usually what that means is they, they'll say, hey, you know what, we're going to do this project and it's going to attain these savings. So having said that, they have to then back it up with some measurement and verification. Now, this was a case where it's a new building, so they weren't looking at uh, doing any sort of energy program retrofits. They were actually saying, hey, here's our goal, and their target goal for this one was 30.1 kilobtus per square foot per year. Um, which is, if you listen to last last week's episode, it was the same thing. They were looking for 30 kilobtus per square foot per year, uh, again, for an office building. And, you know, that seems pretty pretty reasonable. And um, really what they, what they did achieve um, in the end, I'll cut to the chase, they actually achieved 25.2 kilobtus per square foot per year. So they actually increased, uh, achieved a, a 17% uh, better success rate than what the targeted goal was. Now, the whole thing with this building was they were looking for, they actually had three different design teams, I think three or four different design teams competing for um, the actual, uh, um, you know, 
the right to design it. So they had a, a design competition, so to speak. Um, and what they did, the winning team uh, came up with a couple of interesting uh, designs. So here's some tidbits and some snippets, a little article summary, if you will, uh, from that article. So what they did is, uh, one of the thing is that 75% of the heating comes from a heat recovery chiller um, and the ground source heat exchangers. So I found that uh, um, interesting. Again, heat recovery chiller, I don't use that or I don't see that uh, very often. Um, the, the one thing in reading the article, and, and I don't know about you, um, <laughs> this is just a quick ex aside, but... Does it bother you that they use in these comparisons about energy savings and being green? They have these these proxies that they use. They say that you know in this one uh, for uh, CO two, um, you know they say that you know uh, by using these energy savings and attaining these goals, we take you know it's like taking uh, so many cars off the road. Or in this case, they, they equated it to uh, some propane cylinders for, you know, barbecue, barbecue grills. Uh, you know, they do the same thing with water. It's like, you know, they, the reduction in water is equivalent to, you know, four-person household for six and a half years. I, you know, I, if to, I guess to every layman uh, that may make it more, you know, palatable. But it's, it's really meaningless to me as an engineer. I look at that and I go, okay, that, that doesn't make it, you know, so it's like a lot is what you're saying. Um, you're saving a lot uh, because there's really no comparison. There's no benchmark um, to be, you know, it'd be, it, it would be more accurate or more helpful to me if you were to actually compare it to, you know, a standard design. Um, you know, it's, it, it's a 25% savings over your typical office building. Um, rather than saying, hey, we, you know, we're saving more than households, you know, more than a four-person household for six and a half years. It, again, it's kind of meaningless. Um, I don't even know if, if the lay person really looks at that and finds that meaningful, other than they go, oh, that must be a lot. Um, so, okay, off my high horse. Uh, we'll get, get back to the review. So the one thing they did is, um, and again, here, here's a 45 and a half uh, percent potable water reduction. So, you know, good job there. They didn't really talk about it too much in the article um, about what they did. Um, and I think this is something that, you know, if you go to low flow fixtures, no flow fixtures, you, you know, you're going to get that kind of water reduction savings uh, as far as you should go. And then again, it's a... Um, it's a building, uh, an office building, so there really isn't that uh, that much there. Um, the one thing they did say, and I, I, I forgot to, to put it in my notes here, but they did say that what they had done is there was an extra heat exchanger with the, the ground loop um, that allowed them to not use the, the tower water as much. So they, the, some of the evaporation, um, they helped there by using a heat exchanger. Uh, the HVAC system. Um, so... They took a look at it, and obviously, uh, again, we have the you know the best performance balance um, that they they looked at, and they came up with uh, you know a decoupled ventilation. So surprise! So they used you know dedicated outside air, and they had zone AC. Um, they did use magnetic bearing chillers. I'll shout that out because I just love those things. So super quiet and. Um, uh, here's one thing I found interesting again. Um, the ground loop heat exchanger was not sized for the full heating. Um, it was just basically, you know, sized for, 
you know, say 80% of the load, 75% of the load. And the rest of the year, uh, they used a backup boiler um, to take care of the coldest parts of the year. So I liked that, you know, it wasn't just, they were trying to use and maximize the efficiency. And one way they did that is by kind of splitting the, splitting the, uh, the duty um, of heating the building uh, among a couple different systems. So it can do uh, a lot better using the ground source most of the year. But those colder, colder months, um, you're going to have to use a, a, a backup boiler, which, you know, again, I think that's, that's a, a great design. Um, now we had the MNV that was part of this whole thing uh, because, again, they wanted to make sure that they were hitting that target of 30 kilobtus per square foot per year. Um, some, of the, some of the key lessons is to clearly define the accountability uh, at the start of the performance period um, to really uh, figure out if, you know, it's all about who's responsible for what bucket of energy. They use the term bucket of energy. I, thought, I like that. Um, so in essence, what that was is basically, you know, if your tenant comes in there and they're working longer hours or they're working more days than they typically would be, um, you, you need to account for that. You need to come to some reconciliation because they've made this uh, system for 30 kilobtus per square foot per year based on a certain number of assumptions. Um, the same thing with uh, plug load expectations. Um, if the plug load expectations are different, we you need to know okay who's going to be responsible for that. Is that is that a tenant um, that they're saying hey you know what when by leasing the space you got to use you know a certain amount of plug load um, you can't use more than it or you know we're going to have to to look at options for evaluating that and de- decreasing that ultimately. Um, some lessons learned. Um, the HVAC system, and I, I found this interesting, the, the, you know, the zone fan coils that they used um, were consuming a lot. The fans were consuming a lot more energy than they had originally anticipated. Now, one of the things was is that um, even during no load conditions, they were finding that the fans were running continuously. So they're looking one of the different m and um, uh, energy saving options. Is it going to change the sequence to allow for a uh, uh, allow for them to, to run at a minimum CFM during those load uh, no load situations, so they're going to reduce the fan load there. Also, uh, the system saves energy by being off when the outside air temperature is uh, does allow for it. Uh, therefore, using some pa- passive cooling, they they did have operable windows in this particular building, so that allowed them to do some of that passive cooling. Uh, also, th- one of the other things that they learned is that the server rooms, um, those plug loads um, in the space, they didn't use, uh, they used about uh, what they would expect, maybe even a little bit less. But in the server rooms, they were using more power uh, than anticipated. So again, um, that didn't jive with the original uh, plan for 30 kilobtus per square foot per year, but uh, they went back and they talked about it a little bit more. Now, one thing that they did say is that M&V coordination is um, really critical when you do this sort of performance evaluation. And you want to make sure that whoever is doing the M&V uh, coordination for you is uh, really on board early uh, because you want to be able to work out with the temperature controls contractor what values are showing up um, and who's doing the analysis? You want to be able to make sure that whatever data is coming into this M&V analysis is going to be good, valid data, and that it's not reading the wrong point. It's not, um, 
there's there's no you know multiple that's that's being fed in there incorrectly um and that in fact is what it says it is so to speak so there's a lot of coordination goes in and that's important to do before you start taking a look at your performance period you don't want to have you know um you know garbage data uh, obviously that you know the garbage in garbage out so if you if you take that garbage data in uh, and you do your analysis then your analysis is based on incorrect information so you want to be able to avoid that all right well that's the summary of that article uh, thanks so much for listening I hope this was helpful if you know anybody who's out there looking for more uh, m and v uh, information about this uh, this topic or any others consider passing this episode along I mean that it really does uh, does help out just recommending this to uh, you know recommending this to some younger engineer yeah uh, recommending this to just anybody else in the office I really do appreciate that if you're not a subscriber consider joining the community uh, over at hvac360.com for some more weekly goodness and lastly I'd be greatly honored if you'd go over and give me a rating review on Apple podcasts also, if you want to subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel, HVAC360.com YouTube channel, I greatly appreciate that. that. That allows me or will allow me to do some fun things in the future. So that's a wrap for this episode of HVAC360. I'm Matt Nelson, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as always, know what you build and share what you know.